0: Welcome to the Shilakama Extractive Podcast. Today I welcome Matohanolo Ilebi, otherwise known as METI. METI is a health and medical geographer who uses geographic information systems, otherwise referred to as GIS, and spatial epidemiological techniques in population and medical geography that enhance the complex interplay between disease, population, and the environment, which is the, a subject of our interest. Matthew also explores new theoretical perspectives to investigate how environmental change and uncertainties are understood and experienced by individuals and communities across scales from household to an entire nation. Matty, welcome to the Sheila Kamek's Podcast. I look forward to learning more about your science.
1: Sheila, thank you so much. Hello, people.
0: That's fantastic. So, Matty, suffice to say, uh, many of us, myself included, don't really know what a health and medical geographer is. Can you just start there by telling us what that means?
1: Alrighty. Uh thank you once again for uh welcoming here into your podcast. Uh let me get straight into your question. Uh what is health and medical geography, or what does health and medical geographers do? So, health and medical geography is a discipline in geography that investigate the human and environment relationships of diseases. It could be nutrition, it could be healthcare, it could be medical care systems, of which the use of maps and geographic information system which is abbreviated as GIS, are very important. The terms place, location, region are very important because when you talk about the distribution and dispersion of most diseases, also the supply and demand for healthcare resources, there's no way you can isolate the spatial component. People have to understand the where part. So that's where medical geographers Uh, come into play. Right, so uh, at
0: the moment uh, we we are looking at the environment from its social rather than physical uh, perspective. So if we think about the environment as a social entity, what is the intersection of the social environment and your profession?
1: Okay, Uh, thank you again for that question. most of the time, like you already mentioned, we we are used to looking at the environment the physical way or the environment in its uh, physical entity. But uh, health and medical geographers are interested in the social environment. The social environment here is where we are interested in understanding the environment that people live in. How do they interact with that environment and this can include things such as cultures you're not just interested in uh, the the air that the people breathe or the water that the the people consume you're also interested in how they perceive that environment in terms of culture how do they resonate with uh, for instance if you take uh, a tree physically you see that uh, uh, uh it's a tree in the environment but socially uh, somebody might have like a, uh, a religious attachment to that tree. They might not cut that tree down because there is that uh, connection to that tree. So space in that sense is perceived into uh, <clears throat> uh, sorry is, is perceived into how one uh, believes, that tree is defined in, 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 in their natural sense or in their cultural sense. So, medical geography here examines the relationship between people and their environments in that holistic terms because they take into account what I already said the diverse culture. My profession also solves and deals with the problems that are. Yeah, environmentally based and those that have anthropogenic origin. We also have to understand that health is always the outcome of the environment, environmental quality and quality of of, of life. So it attempts, or my profession attempts, to understand the role of the environment in determining the human health on the one hand and healthcare delivery on the other. So medical geographers, I would say, they most work to understand the impact of human land use on diseases. So for example, if we go back to that tree and say uh, one was to cut down trees or practice deforestation, the deforestation effects, if you cut down the trees in this uh, congested forest, you are creating pockets around uh, uh, around that uh, a forest or around that environment. So, if people are going to come into this environment where uh, uh, species such as ticks exist and they didn't have any interaction with the humans before because there was no deforestation, now you can bring in diseases that did not exist before, like Lyme disease. Hmm. So you you said
0: quite a lot there, and I'd like to follow up. First of all you you spoke of uh, anthropogenic can you tell us what that term means
1: Oh okay anthropogenic means uh, activities that are caused by humans that are not occurring naturally Like Different for example, example. Emma uh, for example we are talking about uh, uh, global warming or even climate change it, it's a result of human activities. So if I uh, take a simple example that one has a car and it's not functioning well, and then uh, it exhausts uh, coarse smoke into the atmosphere and then the atmosphere is contaminated. And now our atmosphere is not going to be protected by the ozone layer because those films are going to be uh, able to penetrate into the atmosphere. Now the temperatures that we were not used to having, we are going to have because of the activities that were created by humans. Mm -hmm.
0: So uh, talking then about humans, some of the activities, of course, that uh, the Sheila Karma Extractive podcast uh, is specifically focused on is development of natural resources Uh, but specifically mineral oil and gas. So what can you tell us about the interface between this project, uh, the environmental change, uh, and and the social uncertainty that arises out of uh,
1: this interface? Emma, thank you for that question. Uh, It's a very important one. Uh, So basically, I would say that the oil and industry, the oil and gas industry faces the the strategic challenge of balancing short-term returns with its long-term license to operate. On the other hand, you are saying societies, they demand the energy, uh, and they also demand reductions in emissions. You are saying we want to use this energy from the oil, from the gas, but we also want to have as minimal uh, emissions as possibly as we can. So. Oil and gas companies have been anchors at delivering these fuels that form the cornerstone of today's energy. But the main question now that they face is that, how can they deliver smart climate solutions? We still want to have this uh, energy, but we are concerned about climate change. So how can they help, help deliver these climate solutions? So as of today, I would quote here, 15% of global energy-related greenhouse gases come only from the process of getting oil and gas from the ground to the consumer. Just to get it from the ground and reaching to the consumer, 15% of of the greenhouse gases come from there. So reducing methane leaks to the atmosphere is the single most important and cost effective way for the industry to bring down these emissions. So what are then the ecological impacts of oil exploitation? What do we see and what do we know about that? We, uh, I can talk about briefly two uh, um, impacts, the oil spills and the soil contamination. Uh, One example that have happened, it has happened in the forest of Ecuador. And uh, one example is closer to home, the Delta of the Niger River. And the other one that happened was in the Gulf of Mexico in 2010. So there are so many uh, toxic effects of these spills, and they include impacts on humans. They affect human health. And, uh, one other thing in order to 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 remove uh, the, the the effects of of these spills and this contamination it takes years and it takes money and it takes effort and it, it takes even collaboration among the the, the gas industry the oil and gas industry and also, the 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 society and even us as academias. So despite the current available knowledge that we have, there is still environment impacts of oil and gas exploration. They are very high and they're not often fully regulated. And if this waste is not properly managed the effects are going to be everlasting. They're going to take thousands of years. And the environmental impact and potential uh, impacts on human health may last even much longer than the resources themselves. Mm. So it's, it's
0: interesting because uh, you say 15%, some people say 20%, but the order of magnitude is the same. And, and mm. I think it's, it's worth noting that what you're saying is what we call in the profession upstream, in other ways, the exploration, the pumping, and the delivery of mm-hmm. our oil and gas, that accounts for about 15 to 20%. Uh, the rest of course is uh, others, including our own consumption. And what I find interesting, Matty, is that people often forget, we look at the companies that extract. We forget to your point that they extract because we demand, because True. we have certain lifestyles that we want to continue. But the assumption is that somehow, if you just taunt uh, the large companies, the, the problem is solved. Uh, but of course, to your point also, uh, you, some of the accidents and some of the processes and the failures to uh, exercise due care in the extraction, like in the Niger Delta, the puncturing and the what, what they call bunkering there, has been quite problematic. And, and that, again, is the interface between the human and the environment and, and the way that the envir- the, the human uh, perceives their interests. So I guess w- one has to ask, if one looks at your profession, how does your profession <clears throat> help in the understanding of these challenges uh, and, and how you, does your understanding help potentially mitigate adverse effects on particularly the uh, social environment, and remove uncertainties over communities?
1: All right. Uh, thank you again for that question. Um, this is where my profession comes in handy. I'll talk about uh, 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 three things briefly. The first one, uh, my profession deals a lot with uh, development of environment impact assessment, and particularly Health and medical geography would be interested in the health impact assessment or the HIA. So what do they do or what is their importance? So they are important because they aim at identifying the potential effects and damages that are caused by developments in the environment and the society. And they help foresee and estimate cost, losses, and consequences of such projects that uh, 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 that that may take place, and then another uh, thing that um, my my profession comes handy is, uh, like I already said before, it uses a lot of mapping. It uses GIS, ge- geographic information system. So with a map, you can be able to come up with with a tool that you will say. Uh, this is a potential area that we can uh, map here, or this is a no-go area, or we can visualize the hotspots of diseases. If, for example, uh, there is an outbreak of disease because uh, uh, there was some mining project that took place. Another uh, 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 Another uh, way that my profession comes in handy is because it helps in indicating these uncertainties to 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 the communities.
0: Right. So this is very interesting. You've said a couple of things. First, you've said you can help cost the losses uh and then the consequences. Can, can you just uh you know explain that a little more? How do you project into the future and say we think this is the likely cost uh and we think these are the consequences G- give us a concrete example how you might in a through uh as part of the environmental impact assessment undertake those projections
1: okay or re- remember uh what i said uh uh environmental impact assessment so there are kind mm-hmm. of three three words here so you have the environment you have the impact and you have the assessment so you are looking at the environment in totality so if you are looking at the the impacts the eia you will do it even before the project is being taken place and when you do an environment impact assessment it's not only the 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 extractive industry for example who will be involved everybody including the communities are involved so you involve them at every stage like at the proposal stage where you are informing the communities that these are the benefits the benefits could be if for example you are bringing in a mining uh, industry they're going to to mine uh uh, a mineral, let's say diamonds in the context of Botswana. So how are the people of Botswana or the people of that community, are they going to benefit from the diamonds? And it's not only the the economic gains that they're gaining. It's, it's okay, people can get jobs from the mining industry that's going to come there. But what are they also going to benefit? For example, a, a mining is going to bring... Uh, you're going to have the employees so things such as the hospitals are going to be important so the the communities around that area they're going to gain things such as a healthcare facility for instance and then uh, 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 schools can be built uh, uh, around a mining community area so they're going to benefit in that sense but there are other things that the 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 mining industry are going to bring that are not healthy to the environment. For example, there's going to be pollution. There's going to be a lot of use of water. For example, and in a country like Botswana where uh, water is already a, a, a precious need, it's a very it's a constraint. So how are you going to to make sure that you are going to take care of those Uh, unhealthy consequences because if you're going to take the water from the people if you're going to pollute the air that they are going to breathe how are we going to mitigate that how are you going to take social responsibility that people are not going to have diseases or high uh, uh, incidences of diseases because definitely they're going to take place how are you going to mitigate uh, uh, those consequences so the 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 extractive uh, industry in this sense can make sure that the uh practice uh, uh clean energy or 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 even pay to be able to clean the air afterwards if it's avoidable to be able to 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 to, to do the 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 extraction without uh, polluting the environment in a sense. I don't know mm-hmm. if I have answered that in detail, Sheila. Yes, no,
0: no, you have indeed. I, I wanted to also to follow up. I, I, I was intrigued by the idea of visualizing the hotspots of diseases, as you said, because I'm reminded that, for instance, here in Botswana, uh, in the late 1990s, we had the advent of... Uh, uh, In HIV AIDS, and uh, some people associated that with, uh, you know, influx, for instance, around Mm -hmm. mining communities. Uh, Much later, elsewhere on on the continent, we then had Ebola. And uh, we saw too that in the DRC, in places like uh, Liberia and Sierra Leone, around the mining towns those also seemed to be areas of concentration and i wonder whether you know the what are we seeing here first of all and secondly how could your profession has for instance perceived and foreseen that and sounded a warning
1: mm-hmm. okay that's actually a, 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 a very good question uh, let's think of it this way uh, disease when we talk about diseases these uh, diseases deal with human behavior pretty much so when we are talking about uh, uh, mining towns or mining places you are bringing in an influx of people you are bringing in uh, 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 different people and you are bringing people at very big numbers so here the hot spots you can see how now you can term a disease like it's being moved by people. You have it here, like the outbreak. You can map that what's happening around the mining town, but it also leads to other places because people are moving from one place <clears throat> uh, to to the next. So here, my 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 profession comes into play because you can be able to to take a. People's uh, behavior or people's way of life, their culture, and you can also use uh, uh, road networks to be able to see how people travel or how the disease travel from one place to the next. So you have a high concentration around the mining towns, but then these people are going to to move. Also, these single uh, women are not living around the, the mining towns. At the end of the day or at the end of the week, they also go to their workplace. So that's how you can be able to say, oh, you have a hotspot here because this is where the actual disease is just uh, starting and this is where it spread. Uh, uh, in the sense of, of Ebola, uh, you can think of it in this way too. Remember, whenever we talk about uh, a disease that's highly contaminated like uh, uh, Ebola, you also have to look at the contact. You also have to do contact tracing. So in that way, a hotspot can tell you uh where it originated and we can trace back to to see where the origins are or follow the people where they 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 went to. So basically in uh, uh, uh if I try to simplify it in terms we need people we need population for a disease to be able to boom and we also need other physical uh physical attributes such as the roads such as accessibility or easily accessibility of 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 services, even how proximity is it to the health uh, facilities can be able to show us uh, the hotspots or the outliers of diseases. That's fantastic. So really it's an intersection
0: of, uh, first of all, people's economic conditions, uh, how people interact, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how people interact in their immediate environment, but also how they are connected to the bigger society by uh, the relationships they have away from where they work, where the concentration is, and also what the network of infrastructure and the, how they move between where the disease might uh, essentially uh, start at to where it doesn't exist, but because they have relationships and because you have a network, by mapping mm-hmm. all these, you can see how the hotspot uh, begins to expand and explode into a much bigger physical area than otherwise. But presumably also by knowing that you can reinforce the hotspot if you catch it early and, and be able to contain the, the explosion of disease. And, and what you're saying is mining, oil and gas and other infrastructure projects become potential hotspots because of this. And if we understand that a link, we can uh, contain it, we can uh, address it uh, and, and and then perhaps be able to save the, the social environment. I, I, I must say, I find that interesting, but I have to ask you, since we know this, in your experience, uh, you know, what are the lessons then that can be captured, A- and how can these lessons be uh, included in policies that license mining such that we avoid this social risk?
1: Okay, mm-hmm. righty. <clears throat> uh, well, one, uh things that we we, 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 we we can learn from this is that uh, mining really has to be done in a way that promotes social economic development, including of the local community and the surrounding areas based on prioritization of community needs, health and safety. And if we connect this back to an example that we already said here about the economic development. So if we are not, Uh, empowering these communities the mining industry comes in there and it's not empowering these communities there could be other social ills that could happen due to uh, the mining so the mining would be coming in and doesn't even think things such as crime would be related to their to 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 their activities but if they don't empower the 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 communities around or maybe if it just brings its employers and it doesn't it, it employ the communities around then people might start stealing from those in, uh, employers that they have there so you have high uh, uh cases of crimes that initially didn't happen in that area. And another, we can even use hotspot analysis in that sense of of crime mapping. So uh, policies have to be made that we promote social economic development of local communities, and also mining zones and operations should not disturb the integrated social and economic development of regions And populations with state power to suspend mining operations that can cause serious risk to life and health of populations and harm to the environment. So, there should be a way that the mining zones, if they can, they should leave the communities as pristine as they are. And if there is, It's not avoidable. It should be as minimal as it can so that we don't cause serious harm to life and health of population and also harm to the environment because with the the harm to the environment, that's when we are talking about global warming, that's why we are talking about climate change. And climate change and global warming affects not just the environment too, it uh, it also can affect the food security of the people because if agriculture is it's affected people are going to be affected what are they going to eat we're starting to to hear things about malnutrition you're starting to hear things about diseases that even did not exist before and then uh, another thing besides the official and legal mining permit also the social license from the community that is their consent uh, to the mining in the region. Let's not see uh, mining companies that are set up there and people know that there is a mining, but they have not been told before. There should be some involvement. The community, like I said, should be involved from the onset.
0: That's fantastic. Well, uh, Matty, <laughs> that was very uh, enlightening uh, because, uh, you know, we, we just think of... Uh, Mining, as you give them a license, they come and the country benefits. But what you're saying is there can be unintended consequences. As part of what you do is try and foresee these unintended consequences and mitigate them before it is too late. Well, thank you very much, Matty, for joining the Sheila Kama Extractive podcast. As I said, it was very, very enlightening.
1: Thank you so much, Sheila, for this opportunity.